Welcome, Earthlings. Good evening. This is our Christmas special. No snow, but looking for the glow. <laughs> yes, you know, visions of stockings hanging up by the fire, snowflakes falling softly from the sky. And mistletoe hanging from the From fireplace. your right hand up, held up in the air. That's oh, right. no, and in the finding, fireplace. Got finding a, <laughs> another victim. The... Um, Tonight we're going to uh, let you hear a uh, little piece of... Uh, well, you left out the North Star. Oh, the North Star. Yeah, right. i got to stop you here. The North Star is the official new name for the Christmas Star, which was the uh, alleged Star of Bethlehem. Alleged. <laughs> and this alleged star is what we celebrate every year on top of our tree. Could you imagine if that symbol is actually a uh, UAP? What's a UAP? <laughs> it's an object that moves in the night and sometimes in the day, but most notably in the night. Sounds like a flying saucer to me. Yeah, especially if you have three wise guys listening and watching this thing move. <laughs> wise guys, huh? Yeah, well, wise men, as they call ah, them. All right. I thought we were in New Jersey for a minute. <laughs> for a hot minute there, I did. Without without uh, offending any uh, religious uh, beliefs, beliefs, we uh, we celebrate the uh, Christmas spirit with the uh, the Christ Child being born in Bethlehem under unusual circumstances, and. Um, this uh, star of Bethlehem and the way it moved and drew these wise men to this location for this uh, birth uh, is quite a story. And uh, we take it for granted every year when we, we buy our tree and we put this star on the top. Sometimes we use a angel. I, I got a flying saucer on mine. Yeah, that's the new one. I've seen that in Michael's, actually. <laughs> they have a tree uh, ornament that looks just like that. has a Santa Claus inside of a... Mine rotates, but it doesn't make any sound. Oh, it's it's one of those silent ones. Of course. But... Uh, <clears throat> so the, sonic, baby. The story of the Star of Bethlehem is, uh, and the way it uh, has been interpreted over the uh, millennial uh, is, is quite extraordinary because... Um, it's been overlooked as a an extraordinary event and just uh, looked at as a uh, as an awareness of a birth uh, of the uh, the savior that we uh, consider the symbol of uh, Christmas and uh, you know ironically the the star that's on the tree keeps reminding me every year when when the time of this uh, assembly for the tree goes on and everybody goes out and purchases a tree and then puts this star on the top. And I always, I always remember how I read in, in a lot of my, uh, my books that, uh, this, this star that traveled uh, and, uh, stopped and started and stopped and started in the middle East 
to to draw these uh, wise men to this location is is uh, such a cute little story. <laughs> but yet, when you take it apart and you say, "Is this a uh, is this a close encounter?" No, it was a cute little light that moved at 180 degree angles and kind of bounced around, didn't make any sound, and moved about 100 miles a second. No problem. And gave the wise men time to rest. Kind of like a weather balloon. During the day, they slept, and by the night, they traveled. So isn't that interesting that the star was able to accommodate the the resting period for the wise men as they moved across the Middle East? It was one of our early episodes where we went into Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it reminds me of, I mean, for those of you who haven't looked at Ezekiel with that in mind, you know, mm-hmm. go check it out and check out the part about the rotating wheels and the wheel inside the wheel and all that. But that, and, and one, I mean, that opened my mind. So, of course, it leads to more possibilities. And it reminds me of an analogy of like listening to Led Zeppelin record. And twenty after twenty five years of hearing that record through the years, you hear some I don't know random you know backwards saxophone part that you never knew existed mm-hmm. in the song. So mm-hmm. it, it, something in your perspective changed. Something in your listening habits changed. You weren't just listening to the snare drum because it was so good. You 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 took a different listen, and I think that's you know we have to be open minded. Just we're not saying don't have faith. Let your faith be strong, but. Be open. It's not. It doesn't mean you you know every fact there is to know. Well, I, I had this interesting discussion with a buddy up of mine up in Lake George, and we were discussing the uh, vocabulary of the ancient people as uh, as a uh, an example. The American English language today is so diverse in its uh, use of uh, words to describe and to detail things that ancient people probably never had, that ability to describe something that's unusual. But yet today we we have more of a, uh, uh, such a complicated uh, language that we have these words at our disposal that can actually describe unusual occurrences and bring them more to a, uh, a realistic uh, uh, acceptance. So when we when we look back at at things that we thought we knew, and we look at them in today's um, technological age, we see things that seem to stick out. And uh, these things that in the past that stick out are technological things. And uh, that's why I, I—I uh, I mean, I—I I, I just have a hard time sometimes um, conveying this to a person who, or or group without offending their their uh, religious uh, upbringings and their belief systems. But I—I uh, I come from a background of uh, uh, Catholicism and. Uh, parochial school and so yeah and, and and the 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 flip side of your point is that, as you've spoken about before is back then there was many there were symbols <laughs> i mean we're reading hieroglyphics and trying to figure out what was going on mm-hmm. so 
we have symbols and we have much more basic language and l- many less words yeah. words you, words being used so it's harder to interpret but then you you know is a what what's more descriptive a flying saucer i saw a flying saucer hey how about you ted i saw a uap mm-hmm. which one's more descriptive which one's more confusing well, <laughs> the, the word the flying saucer is what from the 1940s right yeah so that that already has its uh association with a uh, an et whereas uap is uh, until you know what those initials stand for you, you're really right. uh, you're in the dark but uh times change and well, okay. uh, d- different mm-hmm. uh names have to be used to uh to stay in 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 tune with the times and today uh, like I, I said a few minutes ago, the English language is so, in my opinion, very uh, unique in, in its use of words that were never in existence years ago. And when you're planning a cover-up, you you use you you have to combat some words like UFO, mm-hmm. which is what it was for how many years since the '40s? It's been UFO. Oh, but actually, there's been a lot of other words like ball lightning. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Ball plasma. Um, they've had uh, hur- 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 hurricane uh, atmospheric conditions. Oh, well, if you look at all the explanations, yeah, yes, all the, the all the other swamp gas attached to these. Uh, I saw a, a ball of swamp gas darting across the sky and changing directions, one eighty degrees. Now, now turn the clock back thousands of years ago, and I'll give you a whole bunch of words that are applicable to those days. And those words were chariots of fire, celestial chariots, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. But don't, but, but, okay, but they changed it on. Because I, I don't well, know. don't forget. What, what do you think people think when you say UFO? What do you? Think, I mean, well, the the, the immediate words uh, UFO brings to uh, consciousness uh, the, the 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 words aliens, because aliens and UFOs mm-hmm. are, are like a simultaneous uh, connection. If you say UFOs, you're talking about aliens. If you talk about aliens, you're talking about UFOs. And we're talking about the last, you know, three years ago where the, where Department of Defense, you know, the Pentagon drops these videos and it's basically saying, yes, these are UFOs. These are unidentified. So, you know, maybe even more so now <coughs> people would think, about well, there's a preparation going on to, to get ready for, uh, uh, disclosure because the uh, the impact of uh, extraterrestrial uh, life on the uh, the human population is going to change everything well it's the greatest uh, event in history in, in if you think if you think that it's a, a simple thing that oh finally they're here and we're going to find out everything we ever wanted to know. I don't know. I keep hearing people huh. in the know saying they're they're here and they're here often. So you know, it kind of makes me wonder: will will there ever be such a 
uh, public display of this disclosure. But hey, well, that that seems I'm taking to bets be... on the side. You can go to betswithrob.com. No, I'm just kidding. My experience is showing that disclosure is getting closer by the day, and I'll give you a couple examples that uh, have uh, raised this uh, uh, opinion. Um, the TV uh, show History Channel has been running the ancient uh, alien program for years now, and they've been on uh, Friday nights in uh, New York. Uh, I don't know in the other parts of the country what uh, nights they're on, but they've they've split their uh, programming. Now they're on in, on in New York. They're on Monday nights, and the the one uh, the, the space that's being taken up on Friday now is being taken up by William Shatner, and he's doing a, a show called The Unexplained. We're not affiliated, folks, and we're just giving a free plug right there. Yes. <laughs> and I like William Shatner's interest in this subject because... It always uh, helps when, there's, when people with star power have an interest, I think. Yeah, they, they have uh, they have time on their hands, and so they, they, <laughs> they, they don't have to... Uh, uh, they, they could dabble into things that well, really interest them. Like and, and this is a subject episode with the famous people and how they could have access to mm -hmm. nice conversations mm -hmm. with people in the know. So we have a piece that uh, we came across, and uh, you're, you're you're probably familiar with this fella. His uh, his name is Luis Alexandro, and uh, he has worked at the Pentagon. And he has uh, come out in the last uh, several months this year uh, on uh, these uh, pilots' reports that are being uh, yes, and coming also, to light. Also, in general, um, he was asked about you know what 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 do you think are, are these things that are being seen? Is it military? Is it something that our defense department needs to be worried about, or is it extraterrestrial, or is it the Russians, or? You know, so let me play it and let, let him do the talking. Yeah, and we'll talk later. <laughs> okay. So first things first, rationally, there are three options for what these aircraft are. They're either a U.S. military black project, they belong to a foreign government like China or Russia, or are they, or they are of non-human origin. So, uh, so talk us through why you think the final option is the most likely. Sure. Um, this was actually one of the fundamental questions we were trying to solve while in the Pentagon. Um, the first obvious question is, is it one of our secret technologies? And the answer is quite succinctly no. Um, and how do we know that? Well, for several reasons. First of all, I had access to, to all those programs and those type of programs. You don't typically uh, test these type of secret aircraft in and around areas where you're doing active maneuvers. Um, you, you tend to test them at secret test ranges like Area 51. Um, and uh, you certainly don't endanger uh, pilots' lives by testing this type of secret technology uh, without, without coordinating that through our joint staff. So we very quickly realized it wasn't our technology. The second option, as Charlie mentioned, mm -hmm. is, is it uh, foreign adversarial technology? Is it Russian? Is it Chinese? And of course, when you when you go through the historical documentation, certainly in our country, and this documentation is official documentation, one realizes very quickly we've been seeing this technology for decades. And when you compare that to where we were, let's say, in the late 1940s and 50s, we were just uh, ex exploring and learning the secrets of the atom. We were unlocking its secrets. We had just entered the jet age and we hadn't even been into space. 
And yet these, these technologies were outperforming anything and everything that we have. Uh, so if this was some sort of foreign adversarial technology that's been around for 70 years, this would be considered probably the worst intelligence failure my country has ever experienced, perhaps even eclipsing that of, of 9-11 on order of magnitude. So the last option is, well, if it's not our technology and it's not some sort of foreign adversarial technology, then then whose or, or what is it? And that's where we are now in the conversation, certainly with our lawmakers and our legislative branch and our executive branch. And so that's precisely what we're trying to figure out now is, is what exactly are these if they're not ours? So what's the... Hmm. Uh, interesting, huh? Well, the, uh, the, the thing about what uh, Luis uh, is saying is interesting in retrospect to the study of these objects been going on since the 40s. Mm -hmm. So to shed more light on it now is quite, uh, quite revealing, which shows that the public could be ready for acceptance yeah, of this. Yeah, he, he, he's one of them that, that you, you know, I, I haven't, let me play this other clip he's, where he talks about the pilots, actually. And, mm -hmm. um, he doesn't blink an eye uh, when he, I've seen him on different, you know, different programs, and he doesn't blink an eye when he says, um, you know, these, they're coming, there's evidence that they're here, and this is what he's going to talk about Maneuvering. What were they doing, right? And it looked like here we go. Be on screen, but it's the complete picture. It sometimes it's what you don't see, and also what you can hear. And so, part of our investigation was to go talk to the pilots and say, "What exactly did you see?" Right? When you said there's a whole fleet of them, what did they look like? How were they maneuvering? What were they doing? Right? And this is this is probably one of the, the the better videos that was released to the public that will tell you there's a lot more videos that are in my opinion even far more compelling they just haven't been released yet uh because they they still remain quite quite sensitive classified to some degree um but that's what you're seeing in that video there very important point the other there. one if you want i'm happy to walk through that one as well but it's up to you i'm not sure we have that one here but there, is a, there is a video which is i would say a bit less uh dramatic because uh, there's no audio of um of the, of the Nimitz encounter, correct, isn't, isn't there? Yeah. Hypersonic velocity. Okay. Let me just pick up right. What separates these from anything else that we have in our current inventory is quite simple. There's five observables that associate, when you look at something as a UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena, as being truly unique. That's instantaneous acceleration, hypersonic velocity, low observability, Transmedium travel, the ability to operate in multiple environments or domains, and last but not least, in, in the vernacular, would be anti-gravity. The ability to fly with no wings, control surfaces, uh, no obvious signs of propulsion, even, frankly, not even a cockpit. And that's, of course, what Fravor saw when he was up close, because he was much closer than these cameras are, right? That's and what... It, hmm. Well, you got to keep your eyes open. How many pilot accounts have there been? Many, many, many. Documented. Documented and, al and yeah. also brought under control uh, by 1952. The uh, pilots were pretty much uh, restricted from uh, 
discussing their uh, sightings. And when they did have a sighting, they had to report it to their superiors and fill out a, uh, an extraordinary uh, questionnaire. <laughs> well, he goes on to say, I didn't find the exact right spot, but he goes on to say um, that, the, you know, the Pentagon has many, many of these videos, more, much more compelling, but because of the sensitive nature, they're just not releasing them. Now, that's what he said. That's not my words. <laughs> Well, he, he's exactly right. And in the course of the many uh, books that I've uh, come across that mention interaction with the pilots and taking action against these uh, objects, uh, which were uh, authorized by their uh, superiors, these objects uh, anticipated the pilot taking action, and they would cause the pilot... Uh, command on the uh, the ammunition to, not to work. <laughs> right. And uh, for that to happen, that's quite uh, extraordinary for the pilot to uh, uh, to experience. And so uh, as he's realizing that his uh, actions are being restricted from happening, and he reports this back to his, uh, his superiors, uh, and uh, they say, uh, well, continue back to base. <laughs> and then and I'm sure they get a little visit by the men in black. Refuel. The men in black. They've had incidences where these pilots have chased these things and run low on fuel and been ordered to return to base and refuel. Well, there was that <laughs> one case where the guy just kept going and, until he died. Yeah, that's the famous Mantell case. <laughs> and uh, that case uh, caused a lot of problems for the, uh, the authorities because of the uh, statements that he made while in the, uh, mm -hmm. in the pilot's cockpit. And uh, these, these statements uh, have become uh, written about in, in books that I have. And that's why that case is very, uh, very famous. We have some uh, cases that occurred in uh, the New York area recently, and uh, made the paper. They made it made the paper on. Uh, I think it was the New York Post. Yes, the New York Post on Sunday. Oh, by the way, the the clip. If you want to hear the rest of the clip uh, um, with Louis, it's uh, the British GQ channel on YouTube. You oh yes, check out Louis Elizondo. Yes, uh, th this article here is quite uh, interesting. In, in, in the beginning, it, it, it's, it sounds like there's been less sightings, which is what the, uh, the, the first paragraph mentions, that there's been a nosedive in sightings. Well, yeah. But yet... Don't you think the aliens are scared of COVID, too? <laughs> it could be. And... Uh, that's social distancing. There's been a few sightings there. Uh, one was made on uh, February 9th of last year. And uh, they claim to have spotted an egg-shaped cylinder object with a solid light in front, which streaked across the sky over Brooklyn. Well, that kind of sounds like my old Pinto. The, uh, <laughs> the man added, I can barely see anything in the sky in Brooklyn, and I've seen my fair share of shooting stars. It was just, so, it was just too discerning to be one. 
I'm a pretty skeptical person, but after an hour of thinking about the event, I have no rational explanation for it. Two days later, on February 11th, around 7.15, two Staten, Island land, uh, two Staten Islanders were left spellbound while pumping gas. Uh, he said, I was looking west and witnessed the fireball traveling from west to east. Not too fast, said one of the uh, ex-filers. I said to a man pumping the gas next to me, Do you, did you see that? And he said, yes. It definitely was not a firework or a flare because it kept the same steady trajectory until it was out of sight <laughs> and it made no noise at all. Another Staten Island. It's not something you don't want to see fireballs when you're pumping gas. Usually. Right, exactly. It, that's an interesting <laughs> description. Pumping gas is a very expensive habit, by the way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Especially today's price. The man said he was using a night vision goggle uh, camera while trying to film shooting stars, and all of a sudden, boom, three UAPs or UFOs fly, flew over from high to low and then went a full 180 degrees and phasing in and out. All the hair on my body completely stood up. Pretty interesting. Yeah, and these are all reported to the was it the Washington State-based uh, um, UFO Center. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Staten Island reported six sightings overall, while Manhattan had five, followed by Queens and the Bronx. Let's give it up for Staten Island out there. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, guys. The anonymous Keep on looking. reports to the Washington State-based UFO Center provided time, place, and descriptions, but observers rarely provide photos or videos. Overall, there were 156 sightings across New York State this year. And the last paragraph is interesting because it uh, it says, I think we are getting oh, this more... Is the, the, um, he, that's the... Um the director of this, the UFO Center. Mm -hmm. The director says, I think we are getting more credible reports than ever before. Center director Peter Davenport told the Post on Friday, I believe we are getting and we are being visited routinely by these objects that, that we called UFOs, and I presume that they are controlled by extraterrestrial intelligence. Now, he's calling them UFOs, but there's another case where he says we're being visited. I believe we're being, you know, people are just, I wonder, do you think it's the effect of those few videos that the Pentagon, you know, that the Pentagon did put out there? has kind of affirmed people feel more affirmed maybe more more uh, confident to to just say it it well, seems what, like i'm hearing it just more blatantly stated I don't know. the first time i heard them which was about two and a half years ago i think the first uh reach public uh viewing I oh, said to myself, two, two, it's a little over two years ago. I mean, yeah. COVID just ruins all of our ruined everything. Yeah. We don't know anything about how long do anything. I said to myself, <laughs> when I first heard those, uh, those reports and the excitement that the pilots uh, uh, showed uh, in their descriptions of what they were looking at, I, I found that kind of strange. I said to myself, I said, either that those reports are being deliberately let out or they were let out by some accident. So I just got, one, I just got, I'd like to say a little something about it. If you don't mind to the people that shot those videos, man, can you focus better next time? 
Yeah, can you get the uh, camera to close in I on I mean, the, that's the best that they have. According to Louis, no. He says there's many more provocative, more more provocative than that. Because you can't see that much. It's not, it, it's not that compelling, although it is. Well, the cameras that are mounted Visually, on, on I mean, the airplane. Like too. the sound of the pilot's voices, like you always say. Mm -hmm. is, is that's convincing. That's the uh, that's the amazing the, part of it. More so emotion. than the, the sighting itself is the way that the pilots are, are describing the, the, mm -hmm. the motion and the actions of this object that they're looking at. I mean, it's it's very rare that pilots get excited. I mean, it's... It's a very important position that they have flying an airplane, people having, uh, you know, sitting in the back. <laughs> you know, they, they trust the pilots uh, observing things and uh, keeping an eye on uh, the sky. So uh, when, when things fly by and they have to uh, see something that doesn't fit the normal, they get excited. Yeah. And, Wait, uh, why, why don't we take a short break? Let them have a little listen to the pilot account that's in our in our main theme music, mm -hmm. right? Which yeah. is original stuff, by the way, folks. I never get tired <laughs> of listening to these pilots. So. And um, when we come back, let's let's reflect on the year. It's been a great year. It's our first year to do this podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, we really thank each and every one of you for taking us for a spin and coming back again and again. Um, it's it's been a steady growth and we're excited and um looking ahead to next year and 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 where we can take the show next but uh give a thought about you know some of your favorite stuff that we did cover in these what is today not the 19th episode so in the first yeah. 18 episodes maybe after this break we'll come back and uh, talk about some of our favorite moments yes yeah? and um don't forget the the north star uh if you happen to see it moving, it, it's, you know, just make sure you know the difference between twinkling and moving. It's uh, pretty easy to tell, though. Check this out, the pilot accounts. Welcome back. Yeah. And anyone with questions or topics you'd like to see us cover, um, send us an email at ufostopsecret at protonmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to like us and share and all that good stuff. But uh, we love you back, and uh, we wish you a happy holidays. Yeah, we're going to take a break next uh, week. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. 
my partner is going to uh, go down south and sample uh, uh, many different types of eggnog. <laughs> and uh, we'll pick up when he returns next year. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to uh, close so out away. the uh, the evening with a uh, a recommendation to go on to the uh, blackvault.com and oh. uh, read the uh, the majestic documents and uh, really contemplate the uh, significance of the uh, papers. Uh, the other day I was sitting uh, contemplating not only the, uh, the documents themselves, but uh, whoever decided to leak them to the uh, investigators mm -hmm. was taking a big risk because they must have felt that this secret was so big and so uh, different that it had to be shared with uh, the public and uh, the, 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 the real way that it became public uh, was uh, through a, uh, a real slick delivery system. You know, someone was uh, receiving this uh, roll of, uh, of uh, film and uh, where that film came from has still been a question. But it wound up in the uh, post office box of uh, a few of the investigators that are very interested in this subject. So they respected the, uh, this role of film. And uh, when they developed the film and saw these uh, pages, uh, including the... Uh, executive uh, order by Truman to, to formulate the Majestic uh, 12 group, the, this um, revelation of this uh, changing hands from whoever gave it to the investigators, it went from somebody very high up in the government, either a family member or one or two levels above top secret somewhere up there. Somewhere up there. One of the family <laughs> members. Wasn't that high yet. but Or, or one of the members themselves uh, leaked the document. Uh, and uh, it took that risk of, uh, of sharing that with, the, with a, uh, an unclassified person. I mean, it could have been a third party that, you know, the mother of someone or the uncle or cousin of someone that just ended up with, or someone who moved in a house, you know, you just, you never know that obviously figured out what it was when they, when they took a look. Yeah. Those kind of, those questions are all speculative. You know, right. I, uh, like I, so uh, much stuff is on this. Show. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the documents themselves stand alone and they stand, they stand for the information that's in there. Uh, verbatim. I mean, no matter how many times I've read that uh, those papers, they stand out, and they and that's amaze what, this me. Is the one, the main, one of the big things you want people to remember, you know, from yeah. this year in our in our group. What what, what drove this ob these uh, these uh, these uh, objects to be put into such a category that all these years later they're still playing the game of cat and mouse with uh, us. 
except well, that these pilots' reports <laughs> have exposed a an interest that the public is now involved in. What are those objects? Well, so they're they're, they're questioning off, people more and more. So you started off talking about the three kings a little while ago. That's right. And they're considered the magi, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And now we're talking about the magic. Mm -hmm. Magic. The magic, which is the highest. M a g i k. M i j. M i. Uh, it's a alternative spelling, folks. That's right. <laughs> and that and that magic is the highest classified uh, project in the United States government. And then we're going to explain to you why David Copperfield is an alien. That's <laughs> why he's so damn good at the magic. Well, you're talking <laughs> about Peter Peter Davenport. Peter? No, I was talking about David Copperfield. I was making a oh, joke. Oh, Copperfield. But Peter oh. Davenport, we, we, we're going to have to reach out to him. Yeah. I'd he's... love to get this guy in from Staten Island on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'd also like to uh, talk to uh, Pompeo. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, I know a lot of our listeners have chimed in and said they've had experiences too. And, um, you know, we do look forward to some of you uh, um, expressing an interest and sharing it on the show and getting you on. So we we're gonna we're gonna finish our program tonight and uh, wish you a happy Christmas and a happy New Year, absolutely and, uh, and happy holidays, whichever ones you observe, and don't forget to observe in the upward fashion, in yes. the upward trajectory. We have a very special telescope that's being launched this oh, yeah. year, the Webb Telescope, and uh, it's going to project. The, uh, the telescope's uh, capacity to see very, very far into the uh, Much depth of space. Before. Yes, uh, where no light has ever been put. And I'm sure it's going to be 24-7 for the public to observe. I'm sure they're going to be <laughs> looking at a black hole. Well, I have a favorite <laughs> moment from the year that I wanted to play. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's kind of a little... Oh, this is it's yeah. a little surprise for you too, or I guess you figured it out already. Oh, I think I know what you're gonna play. Let me see. This is before you know, I, I like to think of this as before the cover up even started. It was just a naturally reported thing in a normal way by the world's most renowned reporter. announcer, reporter. Mm -hmm. And this was in I I think it was ABC or NBC, I forget which one, broadcast in nineteen forty seven. Mm -hmm. uh, a day or potentially two days after the Roswell incident. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Headline edition, July 8th, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile found sometime last week has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. Army Air Force officers reported that one of the strange disks had been found and inspected sometime last week. Our correspondents in Los Angeles and Chicago have been in contact with Army officials endeavoring to obtain all possible late information. Joe Wilson reports to us now from Chicago. As a matter of fact, the 509th Atomic Bomb Group headquarters at Roswell, New Mexico, reports that it has received one of the disks which landed on a ranch outside Roswell. This landed at a ranch at Corona, New Mexico, and the rancher turned it over to the Air Force. Rancher W.W. Brizel was the man who discovered this offer. Colonel William Blanchard of the Roswell Air Base refuses to give details 
of what the flying disc looks like. Yeah, I love that one. More, more than one? more than one disc was retrieved by the U.S. Army. That little clip uh, revealed more than you. Uh, you know that's right. There was, uh, yeah. What did they say? There was more. Uh, um, there was a couple. What did they? they it was more than one. They said mm-hmm. they said that, mm-hmm. but it's only uh, they after that they only ever talked about the one that was transported. Well, because the Roswell case oh, well, was so special. But then they said it was so lightweight it couldn't carry life form. Um, it was flimsy made and and couldn't couldn't go very fast mm-hmm. if it if it had been made out of such material. <laughs> And many, many, many newspaper articles around that time as well. But well, that that was Walter Winchell, by the way, in case uh, the young folk don't know who it is. I love it. <laughs> I get a warm, fuzzy feeling just in time for the holidays. You know, it's no, just, keep I your eyes open and we'll see you next year, which is not too far away, but... Uh, We'll be back next year to give you more of UFO's Top Secret with expert Bob Bria. So the military says, anyway. That's right. All right, folks. We'll see you in 2021. 22. Which is now. And then we'll also see you in 2022. He's, um, yeah, I stand corrected. Well, it's been a wacky year. What can I say, folks? Have a nice evening.